Do you accept the coaster challenge? Yes, I accept the coaster challenge. Do you accept the coaster challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the coaster challenge with your hosts, Andrew Locke. Hey everyone, this is Andrew, one of the producers of Coaster Challenge. Got a special guest with us here today. He's a coaster enthusiast, but also is made quite a following for himself on Instagram and TikTok and elsewhere. And uh, he's got quite a following. We'll talk about that, but uh, we'll also talk about his love of coasters. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Cole from Park Pros. Welcome, Cole. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. Yeah, our pleasure. Our pleasure. Looking forward to talking to you for sure. So to start off, Cole, uh, you know, I gave you a little intro there, but why don't you just tell us about yourself and your love of uh, coasters and parks? Yeah, so my name's Cole. I run the account Park Pros. Um, I think primarily known at this point for short form content. I started off as a YouTuber, but kind of shifted to the short form content in a couple years ago now. Um, my biggest platform is TikTok. Um, see my stuff on Instagram and, and YouTube as well. But uh, I am a coaster enthusiast that I think tends to cater my content at least can, tends to cater more towards piquing the interests of the general public and public and stuff. I try to, you know, take these roller coaster terms and concepts and stuff and make them accessible to as many people as possible. Um, that's really kind of the goal of my channel and the content that I create. But I've been a coaster enthusiast for a long time, for 15 years now or so, I would say, um, maybe even more. But I took a little bit of a hiatus, you know for a couple of years, but I recently came back, I think, into the community around 2019, 2020, um, and shortly create, started creating sh- content shortly after that. So um, it's been uh, fun to get back into it and travel and uh, miss all or hit all these parks and uh, rides that I missed when I kind of took a four or five year break. But uh, I've always loved coasters. I've always loved rides ever since I was little, which I'm sure we'll get into. But uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. Nice, nice. That's awesome. So, would you say that, and we'll, we'll talk more about your content and, and like especially TikTok and your channels in general later. But would you say that your content, like the short form content you spoke of, caters not necessarily to enthusiasts, but more to the general public? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I'm a coaster enthusiast myself. I have been for a long time. I've been kind of indulging in like the lingo and the credit count stuff and right. everything that comes with the, the community ever since I was like, like nine or 10. Um, but like I said, I, I want to make my content as accessible to as many people as possible and also just pique as many people's interests as possible. So I really try to take my kind of knowledge as an enthusiast and break it down to like the, the bottom levels. So as many people can appreciate it and 
people that may not have been interested in it in the past, you know, have kind of this outlet or this, you know, I can kind of translate it for them, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And yeah, I've noticed, and it's interesting talking to you here, because like I was saying before we started recording, it's, it's interesting, we've still not met in person, I'm sure it'll happen eventually. But, you know, hearing your voice here in the interview, which I'm assuming is, I guess what you call your normal voice, the voice you use in your videos, because I've seen your videos, you know, Instagram and whatnot, um, it's a little different. I, I, it's hard to even put a finger on how it's different, but it almost comes across as almost like a, like a news broadcaster or something, something like, or documentarian or whatnot. It's got a different lilt to it, if you will. But I know that is the one thing I noticed along with the, the way you do your videos, it makes sense what you're saying now and that you kind of, like you said, dumb things down. You know, I wasn't necessarily identifying that, oh, these videos are not for coaster enthusiasts, but they clearly are something that can be consumed by anyone. And uh, it's interesting that you kind of purposely do that. It makes sense. So yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. I mean, my voice sounds different because I am a little sick, but uh, you also kind of th- I kind of throw the the YouTube inflection into my content as well, just to, you kind of almost have to, because I have such a deep voice. If I don't do it, people are always like, you sound bored. Why do you sound bored when you're... <laughs> right, yeah, so you do have a very deep voice. So yeah, that that way you're kind of, you sound more interested. Yeah, that's a good point. Never didn't think about it that way. Good point, good point. All right, well, yeah, as you alluded to, we are going to talk about kind of your earlier days of being an enthusiast before you got involved with, you know, TikTok and Instagram and everything else and YouTube. Uh, and the way we start off is in the beginning. That's the, probably the best place to start off. So let's talk about like what coaster was it that was your first coaster? Yeah, so I grew up in Wisconsin in the kind of Milwaukee area. So uh, Six Flags Great America has been my home park for as long as I can remember. Sure. And uh, my first coaster was probably the little Vacoma family coaster there. Uh, Spacely Sprockets Rockets. I think it's just Sprocket Rockets now. But I remember my, you know, going with my family as like a little kid and the little uh, camp cartoon section of the park with like the Scooby-Doo and the Jetsons themed rides. And like I've got vivid memories of like hanging out in there all day as a kid. So um, I think that one was probably my first official roller coaster, if I had to guess. Right, right. That makes sense. And uh, do you live now in Chicago proper, right? I do. Yeah. Downtown right, Chicago. Right, right. Okay. Well, so it's still your home park. And yeah, I mean, that's that's a great park. It's one of the larger Six Flags parks. I've been there a couple of times now where you can grow up with it, you know, where you can start off, like you said, with that like family of a coma and then you can build up from there. I mean, there's several non-inverting coasters and then, then you can get into various levels of of inversions and intensity. And yeah, it's not like you're smaller Six Flags or smaller regional park where, you know, there's not a lot to build up to. So I'm assuming that you kind of built up from there at that home park and then went beyond. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Great America's always had a very well-rounded coaster lineup, especially as of late. So uh, yeah, as the years went on and the trips continued, you know, going with friends for birthday parties and such, such, you kind of build up the courage to get on the bigger coasters and I certainly like from the beginning wasn't the total a total daredevil like adrenaline junkie. It, it was definitely something I built up to um, right. as the years right. went on. And that's fairly I, I hate to use this word, but normal, so to speak, in that, you know, from people I've talked to and I've interviewed many, many people in this podcast at this point and just talking to friends and stuff and and whether it be friends that are fellow enthusiasts or friends that are just curious 
you know, the ones that will send me the the videos on Facebook, like, would you ride this? You know, they're not enthusiasts, but they're curious about the hobby. And, you know, from all the different people I've talked to both in and out of the hobby, what's most common, and like I said, quote, unquote, normal is you build up uh, to these bigger rides, you don't start off fearless. There are a, a couple of people I've talked to over the years, and very interesting people, where they're pretty much been fearless their entire lives. Even as little kids, they they what stopped them from getting on bigger rides as little kids was not the fear; it was height requirements and, and practicalities. But again, that's very rare. So most of us are like you and myself, and we build things up, uh, you know, over time as we were teenagers or, or whatnot. So, yeah, that's quite normal. Um, so. Going beyond your first coaster and, you know, getting on those bigger and bigger rides at Great America and, and so forth, uh, eventually at some point you faced a coaster that intimidated you more than any other had in your life or any other since, you know, that that kind of apex coaster. It may not be the tallest, it may not have been the fastest, the most inversions, there may be some co combination of things there. Uh, generally what it is about that coaster points to what your primary fears were, but you now that can depend. We can get into that. But what would you say was the coaster that scared you the most, that intimidated you the most in your life so far? Uh, so I'd say there's probably two of them. And this was when I was way younger. Um, I would say Raging Bull, because that was like the biggest coaster I had known at the point when I was, you know, maybe like eight, nine or 10 or something like that. And then, I always was terrified of V2, now called Flash, I think, at Great America, just because of the scream of the LIMs was so intimidating. <laughs> like, right. Like, as being a little kid and hearing that, like, as you're, like, standing on the midway and looking at this coaster, I was like, oh, God, I, that's terrifying. So those were kind of my two, um, I guess, yeah, like you said, Apex coasters, like ones that after I kind of got over the hump and rode those, like, nothing was off the board for me anymore you know i was like totally hooked right 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 so you said it was the limbs it was specifically the sound of v2 yeah yeah i mean like the when those lims like scream on that first launch like i don't right. know it, it's it sounds like a screech like it's completely it's almost earpiece piercing right um right right and so as, it like, wasn't yeah so it wasn't the acceleration of it well i would say probably a combination of the two combination you know? okay, okay like and then for Raging Bull, is just the sheer height of height. You know, okay. a 200 foot drop. Okay. So, would you say that your primary fear when it comes to thrill attractions and, and coasters and whatnot is heights? Uh, no, not anymore. I don't, I okay. wouldn't really say. I guess now my fear would be like, I don't even know. I'm not really scared of anything anymore. I, right. I've right. done some, some crazy, some crazy stuff, especially in the last couple months. Um, but I think back then, just like getting over the height hump, yeah, when I was little was was the big thing. Okay, so I have to ask, um, this is not on script here, but, um, and that's okay, we don't usually stay on script, we usually get off on tangents. So you, you kind of did an all bite there, I have to ask. So what are the a couple crazy things you did, like give some highlights that we did the past? I know you went to Europe with a whole bunch of, of friends of mine, you know, like uh, Larry and Gino was mentioning, Brett was there, Austin, et cetera, he did the... Uh, Coaster crew trip. I was supposed to do that trip, but I wound up having to cancel for a number of reasons. Uh, but, you know, Tim puts on awesome trips. So is it the uh, what you did in coaster crew trip or something you did more recently? Yeah. So I'd say that the scariest ride I've ever done is the, is it Scat? The Scat Tower at yes. Savoy yes. Freeheaden. Um, I'm yes. not sure if that's the tallest Scat Tower in the world, but uh, that is the most terrifying attraction I've ever done, period. Sure. 
I think. Sure. Um, on top of that, insanity at uh, the Stratosphere. Stratosphere, yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. I think that's closed now, but that ride is completely terrifying. And then also the, I don't know what it is, but I always the drop the pod drop slides the where the floor drops out. I don't know what the technical term for those. Oh are. yeah, yeah, yeah. The trapdoor slides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I recently within the last year I rode the one the tallest one, the one at uh, American Dream in New Jersey, and that one. Oh is, yeah, those still freak me out like pretty regularly. So nice, nice. Um, yeah, so you were you were talking about uh, the Scat Tower. So I've never done one of those. I mean, I guess there are there are there is more than one of those in the world. I've, I've never seen one before. Like, what do you, I don't know if you know anything about them. I find them fascinating. I don't um, know much about them either. I know there was the one yeah. in the Dells that was closed because there was a tragic accident on it. And trust yeah. me, when I was when I was riding that, that was like the only thing that was going through my mind. Um, so that added an, an element of fear also just kind of the surrounding you can you like you're so far up there and you're kind of can see like the town surrounding you and especially in that and at, at that attraction um and just being up there and like knowing that there's no restraint it's just you and a free fall between the beginning and ending of the ride is that first second of free fall is like the most is the highest adrenaline peak i think i've ever experienced in my life like when you're just, I was almost frozen because I'm like, I can't believe I'm literally free falling 300 feet right now. So, so you're saying like at the very beginning of like when you first jumped. Yeah. When it first, yeah. when it, yeah. when they first disconnect the, the jumper cable or the, the, whatever you call it, bungee cable, cable, you're yeah. like, it's, it's almost, it's un, an undescribable feeling. It was, I can't even describe how crazy it felt, but um, yeah, it's, it was really good though. That is the, biggest adrenaline rush i've ever had in my life with barnard right right and yeah no that totally makes sense yeah i remember um yeah i remember talking because like i said a number of my friends went on that trip and i talked to several of them afterwards uh, you know what it was like and everything and i know i think it was uh, mark martinez who's who's crazy uh, like certifiably crazy yes, um, is, yeah he, he definitely had a reaction to that and um yeah i think i think austin did it too as i recall um yeah, there there was definitely some reactions to that that attraction, understandably. And for for listeners not heard of Scat Towers because they're not very common, as I was alluding to, uh, basically um, this is the the only thing you could probably do more crazy than this is is is, is skydiving, because basically they're free fall towers where you're you're not harnessed in, um, you just jump and fall into a net. You know, and and that's it. And you know, you're dependent upon, you know, the operators to be careful. Again, there was an accident, unfortunately, in the Dells. Uh, sadly, uh, you know, as far as wind goes, you have to be very careful with wind. Not you personally. You know, you're you're just a guest, but the operators need to watch the wind conditions because there's the net obviously is only so so uh, wide and long and so forth. But uh, so so I'm guessing, Cole, for you, you know, thinking about what had happened in the Dells and everything else that you know you, you fall of course this is only a few seconds this whole thing occurs um but you're like once you reach that net you were like a sigh of relief was yeah part of oh totally there. totally i was i like even when i hit the net i really couldn't even I, like i said i was frozen i couldn't even right. process what was going on because it's just such a incredible feeling to, to be completely free falling like i mean you don't have a parachute you don't have anything you basically are just landing on this net and hoping that it catches you right so right um, yeah, that was that is bar none the craziest attraction I've done to date. 
Right, right. And he mentioned insanity, which was the, I call it like the sort of swing ride that swung out over, you know, from the stratosphere at the top, kind of just over, you know, you know, Las Vegas, you know, it was just out in the open, what, a couple thousand feet up, I guess it is, 1500, whatever, however tall the strat is. Um, so that's the other ride that you said was was pretty extreme for you? I would say so, yeah. That one, you're, the freaky part of it is you're not only spinning, but you're also, it tilts you 70 degrees and yep. you're staring straight down. So, and there's yep. nothing between you and like, I mean, you have like a little lap bar restraint, but it's yep. you and the concrete below basically. So things like yeah. that. And anytime there's very minimal, there's something very, you know, minimal holding you back from the ride and your death. Like that's what makes it <laughs> completely yeah. freaky for me. You yeah. Know? No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done that ride. It's been a long time. Um, I've not been to the top of strap and yeah, top of the strat, excuse me, in 10 plus years. I need to go because I wanted the sky jump. David's done it, by the way. It was really highly thrilling for him. Um, but uh, my favorite ride up there is one you actually did mention. I'm surprised because of the whole heights thing and everything is did you get to do X screen? The other I did. Ride? I okay. did. Yeah. I found insanity to be more thrilling, scarier for me. I don't know. So I, I could see that. I mean, they both, I mean, I'm not trying to put insanity down or anything. Um, they're just, they're different in, in, you know, cause with Xtreme, you've got that rolling forward thing going over the edge and, you know, it's just different, but yeah, with being tilted and being minimally restrained on insanity. Yeah. It makes sense. Totally makes sense for sure. For sure. Um, okay. Well, yeah, no, that's, uh, you definitely doing the scat tower. That's, uh, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So uh, that's awesome. Now, now, by the way, you're, and again, we'll talk more about your channels and stuff later, but are you at the point with like your TikTok and Instagram and, and, and you know, and perhaps still the stuff you have on YouTube, are you kind of like, have you reached the point to say like where Austin is, where you're not working a regular job anymore, or do you still kind of, are you walking both worlds for the time being? Um, I do not have a regular job. I've been a full-time entrepreneur for a little over a year now. I do things, do other things on the side. Um that kind of supplements my income, but, but yeah, the content is my, is one of my main sources of income right now. Kind of like the content machine almost between TikTok and YouTube and some of the other things I do. So. Nice. That's awesome. That's great. I mean, you're, um, cause like, you know, so you're in your mid twenties. I mean, you're so young and you got there, you, you know, see before Austin did, and it's impressive, you know, he got there, you know, right around, right before he turned 30, right around there. But, um, you know, to be so young and to be, you know, like you said, like you described as being an entrepreneur, like so independent and, you know, pursuing your passion and that being your source of income. That's fantastic. And uh, hopefully you just continue to grow it. So thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, we'll talk more about what your channels are about and, and especially TikTok uh, here a little bit. But before we get to that, let's talk about a few other things, kind of a few fun questions. So um, you talked about earlier how, again, you've been a coaster enthusiast for a long time and you're well versed in that arena and you've got your coaster count and all that kind of stuff. So first of all, what is your coaster count at this point? Um, I'd have to double check, but it's somewhere in the 520 range i think i'm at 526 or 527 um at this moment in time so nice nice that's awesome i mean yeah again you know being being at your age to being well over 500 that's very impressive i mean 
you know, there are a number of people out there that are in around the same age range, you know, Austin and Mark, I know we're higher. Uh, Bradley Edholm's another friend. Um, I'm sure you know Bradley, or no, Bradley at least. I mean, Bradley's insane. He's over 1,300 now, and I was just talking to him. He's planning this big trip to South America to get more credits, and, you know, he's, he's but uh, and nothing against Bradley, uh, and he's been on the podcast, by the way, um, but he he is very, uh, you know, very much a task-driven person. Like, it's a, accomplishments for him as he checks off more and more of these credits, and he wants to be the number one in the world, which he's, I think the number one is like 6,000 or something. So this couple in Europe or something, I think they are much older, of course. Um, but, you know, and my hat's off to him. He's very, very endeavorous. But in any case, you know, you at over 500, it's very impressive, definitely up there. So, and obviously it's just going to keep going up. Um, so you've been on a lot of coasters. So first of all, what would you say is your craziest moment on a coaster that you've had? Um. I don't really have a great answer for this. I mean, outside of things like cell phones flying at 40 miles past your face or, you know, experiences like, you know, getting a last ride of the night on, on like an outlaw run or night rides on voyage or something like that. I don't have one that kind of sticks out. Um, yeah, I don't, I just don't have a great answer for this question. I don't know. Okay. All right. That's okay. I mean, you, the, some of the anecdotal ones you mentioned are, are pretty typical and you know, they, yeah. they, they count. there's really so, not one that sticks out to me. <sighs> yeah. Well, you know, if you, as we kind of continue through the interview here, if you, I'll, I'll give you kind of the, the get out of jail free card, if you will, if you think there's something you feel free to mention it, we can kind of revisit this. Well, but no worries. Okay. Sounds good. So this next one, I expect you will have an answer to, um, <laughs> Uh, what would you say is your favorite coaster? So I personally document for me, there's a difference between like your favorite coaster and your number one. So which of those answers do you want? Okay. So let me see. I'm curious. Cause I, I, I I've talked to a few people like that have this sort of dichotomy that you just described. So is what you're getting at is sort of the favorite is sort of that nostalgic favorite. Whereas your number one is like the best coaster you've been on. Is that kind of what you're getting at? I would, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I like to differentiate them. Like one that I would, yeah, yeah. Either, I think favorite for me is kind of a combination, like you said, nostalgia, like either rewritability, like good memories on it, right? I have like a list of my favorite coasters and then a list of, okay, but these are the objectively the best roller coasters I've been on. You know, I kind of differentiate my list. There's a lot of crossover, but, um, sure, sure. Yeah. So, okay, which, so what, which of the, the two do you want? What's your favorite coaster? What would you say is your favorite uh, coaster? I would say my favorite coaster in terms of like just pure memories and, and yeah, I would say is American Eagle at Six Flags Great America. If you ask anyone, <laughs> that's my favorite ride in the park. Um, just something that like I've got a ton of memories on with friends and family. And um, there's a lot of times I'm just driving by great America where I'll, where I'll have like 20 minutes to spare and I'll just walk to the back of the park and go ride that ride. Cause it's just like, it's just such a good roller coaster in my opinion and very underrated. Um, yeah. But yeah. Object- objectively, and this is new because it's just changed in the last couple months. So you're getting the exclusive here. Cause I have not shared this. 
Um, my number one roller coaster is Zadra at Energylandia. Okay. Okay. So that's the other answer, right? That's the other answer. That's objectively the best roller coaster I've I've ever been on. Okay. Okay. All right. So first of all, as far as American Eagle goes, I've been on that. It's a great coaster. Um, I, I have respect for you having a number one. It makes sense. You know, it's your original home park, the memories, the nostalgia. It's interesting too, because, um, (laughs) <laughs> probably the most famous intimate wooden coaster is El Toro. Um, I rode El Toro this summer for the first time. I, it's one of those, it was a white whale for, for me for years. Um, I grew up in New Jersey, although when I grew up, that was long before El Toro was built. Um, I'm a older than you. But um, I've been back to Great Adventure many times because, you know, visiting friends and family. I love going back to New York, New Jersey. And I kept going back to Six Flags and I kept, you know, El Toro was closed. And so I finally wrote it in August and it was one of the biggest disappointments of my life. It was up there with some others that are people know me for, which I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I, not, I try not to be known for hot takes, but sometimes I have them. We all do, I think. Um, Still Vengeance is another huge disappointment for me. I don't, I think that coaster is way overrated in my opinion um and and but but el toro was a really bad disappointment because i love intimate Intimate's my favorite manufacturer so i would say that american eagle is a better ride than el toro and it's also built by intimate a lot of people don't realize that intimate made wooden coasters way back in the early 80s so i i, I mad respect for you loving an intimate wooden coaster that's what i'm getting yeah <laughs> it's a classic um a couple yeah. of things el toro is in rough shape this year i i yeah. wouldn't i wouldn't count I wrote it this year and it was my number two overall. And I don't, I don't even know where it stands anymore because it's okay. in that okay. bad of shape. So you caught it at a bad year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know what I was going to, I was going to say <laughs> it's just that yeah. one thing. I mean, I'll ride El Toro again. Hopefully, I mean, I have my doubts, but hopefully six flags, you know, maybe with this merger, who knows, maybe El, El Toro will be restored to greatness, not just fixed. Like, you know, from what happened last year, um, you know, who knows what will happen with it, but you know, it I need to retracking. It's, it's like the one prefab that hasn't received the full retracking. That's what it yeah, needs. Right. Right. And hopefully I'll, you know, get to write the, re, the, re, um, the, uh, prefabs in Europe. Um, I've not, I think there's what, two of them, I think in Europe. Is that mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I just haven't gotten to those particular parks yet, but I will, but yeah, I mean, I do recognize that all Toro part of it for me, part of the disappointment was that it's not what it used to be. Um, you know, and that's fine. It is what it is. Uh, so I'm curious, what was your number one? So you rode Zadra. Was that this year when you went with? The yeah, coaster? yeah, that was in time. August. Um, right, right. My number one prior to that was yeah. Steel Vengeance. And... <laughs> okay, the other one I mentioned. Okay, and I don't hate RMC. Don't get me wrong. So S- Steel Vengeance is my number two now. Okay, and uh, I thought I rode Guazi a couple weeks ago, and I. I thought Guazi was going to drop for a little bit for me because yeah. it's Sadra is almost like an upgraded version of Guazi in my opinion. But uh, no, Guazi is still great too. It might it might even be my number three. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. So, okay. I love right. I love the huge RMCs. They do such a good job with those. I'm starting to run a little bit dry on the medium small tier RMCs. I don't know. I think a lot of them are repetitive, but the yeah. hypers the hypers to me are all like top five roller coasters in the world in my opinion okay okay all right um yeah what i was starting to say is i don't um because i'm, I'm going to share some things about zadra um i 
I don't hate RMC. Um, I just, I don't have the, and I'm not, this is not directed to you, Cole. Don't, don't get me wrong here. Uh, this is the coastal community in general. I, there seems to be this like fervidness with RMC. And, um, and I think in some cases, you know, you know, legitimately, you know, they're great rides, et cetera. But I think there's a lot of bandwagoning that goes on too. And I'm, I've never been a bandwagoner. I was, I was not the popular kid in school and I would, I'm, fine with that you know i i always beat you know to my own drum and i'm very proud of that um and at the same time you know steel vengeance isn't my number one zobder is not my number one to, for me to make a point i'm not saying that either i mean my number one is legitimately it's Taryn, um and it's number one that i share with um a number of people uh and actually one of my friends from europe uh, uh from switzerland it just became his number one override to happiness this past week uh Spencer Tron, like riding it at night and all that. But I know, you know, Austin, who I respect Austin's uh technical and analysis of coasters. He's very technical and like me also values theming. We have very similar opinions in that regard. Um, you know, when he announced Terran as his number one last year in his top 25 video, I was like, okay, all right, I feel really good about myself now. Again, it was still my number one anyway at that point. But um, again, we all have our different opinions. Um I need to go back to Energylandia. Um, I despise that park because that coaster collection is an embarrassment. It is ridiculous. I mean, Zadra and Hyperion and Abyssus aside, it, it, the fact that that park has two family boomerangs, it has <laughs> the worst wild mass I've ever been on, multiple SBF spinners. I mean, it, that park is a joke. I'm sorry, it's a joke. Uh, and again, I'm not afraid to share my opinions, you can tell. Um, and the, the theming is so inconsistent. The back of the park is better. I, I hear they're going to fix the park. I will go back there. It's sad they're not building the tilt coaster, uh, but I will go back there eventually. Um, but apparently the ride I got on um, on Zadra, uh, I, as I wrote it last summer, in, 20, in, in 2022, apparently 2022 was a really bad year for Zadra. Uh, everyone that wrote it last year hated it. <laughs> It felt slow, et cetera. So apparently this year I heard it got better again. You know, you wrote this year. So I do need to get back there. And, you know, rating rides, you know, it, it, the experiences change over time. They can get worse. They can get better. Um, but uh, it just didn't impress me at all. I was like, I was like, why? What? What's going on here? Yeah. Um, for me, Zadra had, <laughs> had uh, like very comparable elements to steel vengeance and guazi um but with just like the most incredible pacing like to me it's the best pace roller coaster i've ever been on just flying it was also like 90 degrees middle of summer really hot right. so that i'm sure that played a, a role in it but i couldn't believe how fast it took its course and like some that you're taking some of the elements that like it almost feels unsafe how how fast you fly into the brakes too you could throw another 2000 right. feet on that and it probably would would be okay okay so for me that's right. really a big thing i'm all about pacing like if you a well-paced ride to me is very important i don't like any lulls or i like taking elements at either the appropriate or you know accelerated speeds you know where it's almost feeling out of control so that was the big thing right that, that i loved about that ride so if you had a bad experience it probably had something to do with that yeah because my experience on that ride is nothing like we described Pacing was awful. It felt like a slow ride. It did not feel like Wazi at all. Because hmm. uh, I've ridden Wazi many, many times. You know, it's, it's uh, basically a home park for me. It's an mm -hmm. hour away, Tampa from Orlando. But 
Um, yeah, that's why I need to go back there. But I just I want to go back to the park until they fix it because <laughs> that park just it, it just pains me to walk in there. Part of the issue for me is I just finished going to Fantasia Land and Europa Park for the first time, uh, okay. and so I have a culture shock walking in there because it, yeah, how do you go from two of the greatest parks in the world to to yeah to to sit, I'm sorry I call it Six Flags Poland I still stick by that it's awful it's just I mean, that's an embarrassment for Six Flags Parks, quite frankly, for some of them to be labeled that way. But I mean, it's just awful. But anyways, I I will get back there. Hopefully it gets better. It can't get much worse. But um, but yeah, if you it sounds like you had a great ride on Zopter, nonetheless. Um, now, by the way, have you been actually speaking of, have you been to Fantasia Land yet or no? I've not. No. Um, okay. Okay. It is my number one bucket list park in the world. Um, and I will I'll, I'll get there within the next year. I'll just say gotcha. that. I'm, I'm not sure, sure when, but I, I'll make, I'm going to make, make it a priority. So uh, one of the things I wonder about is um, the pacing on Terran is insane. Uh, there's no lulls on it. It's mm-hmm. just bam the whole way through. And um, I'm curious to see what your take on it. I'm not going to say it's going to be your number one. I'm not going to predict that. Uh, I'm guessing it won't because you're probably going to be sensitive to the fact given how much you love RMC and the RMCs you mentioned, the lack of inversions. Um, sometimes some people it bothers them that doesn't have inversions. To me, it, it's not missing anything without them. But uh, anyway, I'm curious to see what your take on that coaster is because it, the pacing is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out there yeah. just for the entire yeah. experience as well. Oh yeah, the whole park's amazing. I spent three days the last week. It was awesome. So even, even being sick, it was awesome. So, all right. So, all right, your favorite Zadra, and then your your well, your no, excuse me, your favorite is American Eagle, and then your number one Zadra. I totally understand both of those. Makes sense. What would you say is your least favorite coaster? Uh existing, currently existing, or all time? All time. Yeah. The worst roller coaster I've ever been on was Green Lantern at Six Flags Magic Mountain. <laughs> gotcha. What about your experience riding that ride made it the worst one for you? Um, well, I mean, that ride has a reputation of its own. I rode it probably when I was 12 or 13. So like I was maybe like a hundred pounds soaking wet. So I got completely thrown around my legs, just banging against the, the uh, leg rests. And, um, I don't think anyone likes that ride, but when you're, when you're a skinny little 10 year old and you're getting thrown around, it's not the most fun thing. I recently rode the Zaxpin at uh, Grona Lund, though, and that was a lot better. So maybe it was just a size thing at the time. I was so little and just getting tossed around right. with this out of control ride. But, um, but yeah, I would say Green Lantern is my least favorite coaster. I got off that like almost in pain, traumatized. Ooh, really? Yeah, interesting because I've, I've ridden. It was it's not my favorite, um, but I've ridden Green Lantern multiple times. I used to live in California. Uh, and I've ridden, you know, quite a few of the the um, uh, SNS 40s, and to me, they ride similar. Um, I don't hate Green Lantern. I don't have the hatred a lot of people have for it. I understand why people do. I get it, um, but I just never had any bad experiences on it. So, um, but you know, again, I'm fairly unique in that regard. Um, but again, I didn't ride it as a ten year old, you know, skinny little kid, you know. So that's the difference <laughs> yeah. too. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you're 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 definitely not alone in that being your least favorite coaster. I can tell you that much. So, all right. Well, thanks for kind of going over some of those kind of fun, kind of enthusiast sort of you know favorites and interesting questions there. 
Um, let's go ahead and switch gears now for the rest of the interview and talk about your brand, your your channels and whatnot. So you mentioned you started with YouTube. Uh, of course, you've got a huge following on Instagram because then that's how I mainly know of you. Uh, and then you have TikTok. Those are kind of your three kind of main outlets. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the three. And I post pretty much the same content um, on all three of those. It's just different, different outlets that reaches different audiences. Got it. Now, also, just out of curiosity, so Heart Pros, it's plural, but it's just you, right? You're just a one-man show? It's just me. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Got it. So, okay. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Just just as curious if you had anyone that helped you or whatnot. Maybe you never know. Maybe that'll happen eventually. You'll, you'll need to have someone help you or something But as you grow. But so uh, TikTok is your most successful of the outlets that you have. Is that right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, we're reaching we're almost at 400,000 um followers yeah. on there. That's kind of the platform I had the most immediate success with when I started doing short form content and where my content still kind of resonates the most in my style and such. So, um I would say I create content primarily for TikTok. Okay. If, if okay. I had to choose from the three platforms. What do you think your secret to success is on TikTok? Um, I think just like I mentioned this a little bit before, but I think just the approachability of my content, I, it, I try to make it as accessible and understandable for as many people as possible. You'll hardly ever see me bring up like, you know, manufacturer names or like ride models, unless I do like a good job explaining it. Because to most people, the 99.9% .9 of the population, like an Intamin multi-launch coaster means nothing. Like no one knows what, like if you're a normal person, you don't know what Intamin is. You don't know what a multi-launch right. that means. Right. Right. So un unless I'm like introducing that and it's a big subject of, vid of a video, I always try to make sure to let that these kind of enthusiasts, like terms that are well known within the community and the industry, like are translated well to the, to an average person that might like rides, might go to their, their home park once a year but right. they can still have an understanding of my content and i think that's where i've been really successful is having an enthusiast mindset um and just translating it to a normal person who loves rides loves attractions but it's not one of their main interests or hobbies right right and this is what you're mentioning towards the beginning too which i guess it makes a lot of sense and so out of curiosity so let, let's say you're, you're hanging out you know with friends, see some of the friends I mentioned, you know, say Brad, Austin, things like that, talking about, well, of course, coasters. Are you, I'm assuming when you're hanging out with friends like that, you're talking about those technicals, you're talking about manufacturers, right? I mean, kind of like the conversation you and I have had here, we've talked about some of those things, right? You, you talk about those things, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm at the end of the day, I'm a coaster enthusiast. I'm a, I'm right. a roller coaster right. nerd. Like, I love this stuff. I love, not so much the technical stuff, but I love the part that I love about the industry is like the rumors and the storylines and the, you know, sure. like the speculation of new rides and stuff like that. And, you know, the drama that kind of happens, not not with like content creators or anything, but like between manufacturers right. and parks, and like, will they build this? Will they not? Stuff right. like that. So those are often storylines that end up in my content, too, that I kind of translate into to the GP as well, I would say. Um, but yeah, but at the end of the day, I'm a coaster nerd. I've been a nerd for 15 years. <laughs> like, um, I love this stuff. Like, it's what, like, you know, I get a kick out of it. So, um, but it, it's definitely not something that I try to like 
being super enthusiast in my content. You won't see a lot of that, I wouldn't say. Right, right. No, that makes sense. So the thing I was getting at there is like, do you have to like take a, like make a conscious effort when you're making your content to like not think naturally or not talk naturally how you would say with your friends? Like, yeah. Oh, oh, totally. Totally. I think, I think by when I'm creating content, I, I try to use that filter of, of what would be, you know, how am I going to phrase this in the way that most people will understand it? Or if it's a very important detail that not a lot of people understand, how can I translate it for them to make them, you know, understand what this ride model is or what this manufacturer is. Right. So, and I think, I think that's not something that like will turn an enthusiast off either. If I explain what Intamin is or what, you know, like a Zach spin is, you know, to my, the general public in my audience, like an enthusiast isn't going to click off the video in those two seconds because, you know, they think I'm, I'm so. Right. I think, I think that's really what resonates with people is, is that though. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, I kind of have to take a filter to it when I'm, you know, take the enthusiast goggles off a little bit and, approach it like I would like one of my friends who's not a coaster enthusiast. Right, right. Interesting. So, uh, and forgive me, I mean, I'm not a big, like, consumer of YouTube content. Like, I'll go on YouTube to look for things. I use YouTube sort of as a, to get information. Like, uh, for example, like, I love cruises. I will use YouTube. I'll do searches on YouTube to look up information on a cruise ship that I've not been on yet to find out features of it, things like that. Um, I'm not someone that, like, goes onto YouTube and watches a lot of coaster videos. I don't have the time for that. Um, I don't like watching coasters before, like, POVs before I ride them. I like to have the surprise aspect. Um, the probably the one person I've watched the most videos from is Austin because I love his concept POVs and that's that I'm okay watching because you know it's just a it's a theoretical of what the coaster is going to be it's not an actual POV but I just don't do a lot of YouTube consuming so I've not really seen your content for the most part I think on YouTube and that's nothing about you it's more about me like I was saying I want to preface that there um you know I follow you on on Instagram of course and you know obviously you and I've chatted on there and uh, I've seen your videos on there again really cool uh, again, that short form stuff. I'm not a TikToker either. Again, I'm just, I just don't have the time to, cons- you know, to <laughs> focus on these mediums. Again, I'm unique in that regard. Obviously, you've got hundreds of thousands of followers that love your content, and that's freaking awesome. Um, so I have not seen your content, a lot of it. So I want to preface that and say that because uh, you were saying that you're mainly do short form. So have you not really done anything like documentary style kind of stuff? Or uh, I have in the past, I think. I'm still trying to kind of figure out my, well, my, I want my long form content strategy to be because I have people that ask for it all the time. Like, and it just takes me forever to make a well done YouTube video to my standards, you know, and in the time that it takes me to make one of those, I can make five to 10 short videos that I think will perform better. I kind of have more of a better feel for, and I think resonates better with people. So I do make long form content on YouTube pretty inconsistently, kind of when I am feeling inspired to, or there's a topic that interests me that I kind of want to expand on. And I think that's probably going to be my strategy going forward for it. If there's a park I really want to talk about or a subject that comes up that, you know, I'm not going to be able to squeeze into a minute video. But the issue I'm having with that is pretty much any topic like that that comes up I can squeeze and 
compartmentalize into right. a short video, right? Right. And so, you know, I find myself going, well, why would I make a long form video on this when I can explain it to people in a much more efficient and engaging package, right? Right. Now, that's right. that's kind of the thing I struggle with. And I'm I'm more I've, at this point, I've, I feel like I've kind of, you know, I have a good feel for what's going to hit on short form content, what people are going to be most interested in. So um, sure. that's sure. also that's always an internal battle with me. You know, I, I would love to have the time to create more long yeah. form content, but it just it takes a long time to make really engaging minute long videos, believe it or not. Like, it, it oh, takes no, I believe time. it. To do it right, yeah, I believe it. I believe yeah. it. You, you obviously have a focus on quality, and that's great to see. And I think that's part of why you're successful and why you're going to continue to be successful. But you know, as far as um, I love documentaries in general, I love learning, uh, and I have watched a number of coaster-based, coaster-themed documentaries, whether it be you know Coaster Studios, the RMC documentary, which was great. You know, Scott helped with, of course, too. Um, they were all great on that. Um, uh, the Legacy of Arrow, I've watched several times. Um, uh, shout out to Chris. He did an amazing job with that. He's an amazing uh, video maker. And now he's working with Scott and some others on the Schwarzkopf, which you know, that, that documentary, which will be great, like see Schwarzkopf for, for Ace and so forth. And I'm looking forward to that. Um, you know, Chris, uh, Airtime Thrills, his King's Island documentary. That was great. Uh, the most recent one I, I watched, and I, I'm guessing you know Jacob, because you probably met him through Austin and Brett and everything. Uh, Jacob Selleck um, mm -hmm. did his first, I think it's his first, um, and, and you know he knows I'm a big Intimate fan, so he and I connected on it, we chatted on it, we were going to try and have him on the podcast here, but he's ran out of slots here since we're finishing things, but uh, anyways, um, his multi-part um, documentary on Intimate, have you seen that, by the way? I have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he for his for for a first effort especially did a great job. But uh, what, anyway, what I'm getting at is having seen a number of documentary coaster documentaries uh, between your voice, you've got a great voice combined with your detailed nature and your, your kind of focus on quality. I could see you doing well, you know, and then, you know, also this sort of, I don't want to say dumbing down, but sort of the uh, approach where you make it a very approachable for a wide audience. I could see you making documentaries about parks, about ride manufacturers, you know, whatever it may be uh, about eras of, of, of coaster development, whatever it may be, it could be multiple, you know, multiple manufacturers and that um, where you could be very successful um, because of the combinations of those things for you. But yeah, I appreciate that. And I would love to, I'd love to have the time to put out a YouTube video a week, but you know, it takes forever to make content. I don't, I don't think people realize yeah. how difficult it is to put together a well packaged video um, that performs well and especially on YouTube where you're incorporating like a thumbnail and tags and analytics and there's just a lot that goes into it and for me my kind of skill set and my interests lie in the short form and that's why I've had the most success you know sure. historically sure. so um, I think that kind of continues to take precedence for me as I kind of try to grow on on those platforms um, sure. Which you know carries over to YouTube as well. I've gained a lot of subscribers from primarily my short form content on on that platform. But um, yeah, I, I would love to find a healthy balance between long form and short form, um, and do some of those things that you were mentioning, some documentary style, because I think there are some interesting stories I would I would love to tell. Yeah, that yeah. are kind of more warranted for a long form content style. Um, but it's really just a balancing act. I'm a one man show right now, so right, um, right. 
Yeah, the- I guess. Yeah, you know what's successful for you. You know what your bread and butter is. The short form stuff, the TikTok stuff. That's that's awesome. Keep keep going. But uh, all I guess all I'm saying is is you because obviously you know. I mean, who knows? Are you going to be doing this for the rest of your life? Maybe. Uh, who knows where you're, you, this may take you? Um, but you know, as you continue to grow this, and and just as time goes by, um, if you if you're thinking about doing that long form stuff, I'm just I'm just you know one person saying, hey, I think you, it'd be great for you to if you go back to that or you know get more into that. I think yeah. you could do well with it too. Thank because, you. Appreciate that. Yeah, and, and yeah, absolutely, and and really, it shows what a good filmmaker you are. The fact that you point out that it's not easy to me, even the short ones, the one minute ones, because some people would say, oh, it's easy. Well, nothing, no offense to those people, but yeah, some, some YouTube and TikTok and and whatever creators, they do put together videos very quickly, but the quality isn't necessarily there. So it, to make a good quality video, you know, with, with keeping your audience in mind, everything else. Yeah. It takes time. And, and clearly, you know, that so. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, um, long form aside, so, you know, I know you're focused on the more of the short form stuff, you know, in terms of how you want to grow your channel and brand over the next few years, what, what are you planning? What, what can you share about that? Um, I mean, I have a couple things in the works. I'm trying to create this into like a really a one man content machine business sort of thing. Um, and there's some stuff within the next couple months that, kind of will speak to that more as as uh, I'm able to share things but um in terms sure. of the brand the I really want to be continue to grow my audience and you know internationally the Europe series has done really well of just kind of documenting got documenting each of my European park visits as well as kind of the in, the entire trip encapsulated I'm doing a little bit of a series on those have performed really well in terms of like new people coming into the channel so I think nice. going forward, reaching internationally and trying to reach new audiences that way is going to be a big thing for me. But I kind of want to be the short form subject matter expert on all things roller coasters, attractions, you know, period, theme parks, especially period. Um, that's where I'd love the, the channel to grow. You know, if someone has a wants to get a review of a park or something on TikTok, they, they're searching park pros, you know, that's where they yeah. go to. And I'd love to expand the content and get hit as many parks, do as much as I can, um, and really try to grow the brand, both internationally and just becoming kind of that subject matter matter expert in the field. So that's awesome. um, That's awesome. Yeah, and as someone, as I mentioned earlier, that like doesn't have the time, and I and I mean that in a good way. I mean, I said there's so much positive stuff. I mean, a lot of it is travel. If I'm not on a trip, I'm planning a trip. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost, I'm not really exaggerating when I say that. And I'm not complaining because the vast majority of my trips are, they're not even for work, they're for fun. Um, and and I, I'm blessed to, to, to you know, for a number of reasons that I won't get into here, I'm able to do all these trips, you know, financially, time-wise, et cetera. Part of it is I work from home, so I can work from anywhere. So when I'm traveling, you know, on a cruise, for, you know, I'm doing three cruises in a row in February. I'm able to work from cruise ships, which is awesome, you know, and use internet access. Um, so yeah, I'm very blessed to, to have all that travel, but yeah, I am very busy. I don't, you know, watch much TV, et cetera. Uh, but if I'm going to watch a video or look up something, um, you know, I mentioned like looking things up on YouTube or whatnot, you know, and I do look on TikTok sometimes. I'm, yeah, I'm looking for shorter videos. That's one thing that's great about TikTok is I don't have the time to watch. You know, yeah, I watch Jacob's documentary because I love Intamin. I want to support Jacob. He's a great guy. But it's rare that I'll watch videos that long. 
you know? Um, so it's like once a year, I'll watch a documentary like that, you know? Um, so I appreciate people like yourself that do these shorter videos that are easier to consume and you can watch it, you know, very quickly, you know, literally. And, and, you know, that's great. Um, would you say that the Costa Crew European trip was like a watershed event for you in terms of, cause you said it's very successful. Is this now getting you like very excited about, you know, say going to Fantasia land, you know, your number one bucket list park in Europe, going to other parts, Asia, all over the world, whatnot. Um, because you realize one, you're looking forward to it because you're a coaster enthusiast. Yeah. But what it can do for your content. Yeah. I think it's, I think the content has added, especially, you know, being successful with the short form content, it, it's added a new element to my park going experiences. Cause like you said, I'm a coaster enthusiast. I'd be traveling and doing this for my own leisure anyways even if i wasn't creating content um but i think like you know when i'm at a park and something happens or like i go on a ride and i feel a certain way about it i can almost conceptualize the video as like my park going day you know as my my day goes on at the park right mm, and so right. that's kind of added a fun element to it as i've kind of gotten better at storytelling and you know compartmentalizing my days into minute or shorter videos where um, it's just boom, 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 boom. You know, it's kind of fun to, you know, I, I leave a day at the park and I'm like, wow, I can, especially new parks. I'm like, wow, I cannot wait to make the video on that park. Yeah. Because it's going to be yeah. so awesome. Right. Because these, you know, handful of things happened. Obviously what you see in the videos is like a fraction of what actually goes on throughout the days because sure. I can't sit there and go, I went on this ride five times. I went on this ride. Right. It's not, <laughs> no one's going to care. You know, you gotta be, you gotta be really speedy with it. But um, that's added kind of like a new layer of excitement for me in visiting parks and, and new attractions and stuff is because I like leave the day going like, wow, the video is going to be awesome. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. And I, I can relate in a very small way. Again, I'm not a video creator. Um, I'm more of a, I mean, and even this, I'm not a, a serious photographer. I'm not your coaster nerd that carries around a mirrorless camera. I just, I, I, I love technology. I could totally see myself buying one. I could afford to buy one. That's not an issue. I mean, they're not cheap, but I could, I could go get one if I wanted to. I don't want to carry it around. So I'm an iPhone only kind of guy. I always get the latest iPhone. I love my new 15 Pro Max camera. The zoom is great on it with the Tetra Prism. It's awesome. Uh, and it's good enough for me. Um, and to the, to that degree of just carrying an iPhone, that's pretty much it. Um, I can relate in that just, you know, my social media posts just, which is, I really, for the most part, I just try to use social media as much as possible to, you know, just remain positive and just share what's going on. My travels, whatever I'm doing. And so when I'm at parks, I I've had that same experience. I had this last week at Fantasia land. I'm thinking about, you know, Oh, you know, this, I'm going to do this or, got this photo and like, I'm thinking of a creative tagline for it, you know, a headline for it, for my story or whatever it may be that. And so to that small degree, I can relate to what you're saying as I'm going to the park, taking my photos, hanging out with my friends, you know, sometimes it's what, what my friends, what we've got going on, some joke with us, you know, it's something where I'm like, Oh, I can post that, you know, it'll be fun. So, but for you, it's a much bigger thing, you know, because it's your brand, it's your living and, you know, you're sharing this with hundreds of thousands of people, much bigger following. Um, yeah, I, it is kind of fun when you're, you're kind of going through that, like, oh, I can do something with this. Oh, there's an idea. There's an idea. It's like those light bulbs coming on as you're just enjoying the heck out of yourself, you know, at a park for the first time. So 
Um, yeah, so I think it's 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 got to be you know you've got to be excited, I guess, because you're just getting started with your international travels, right? Like you've been to Europe. Where else have you been internationally so far? Or is that just it? Or um, I had been to Europe before. I only did one park when I was when I was there the last time. Oh, I've been to Europe like a handful of times, just not yeah. for the coast. This was my first kind of like mostly coaster dedicated trip. So um, I think down the line, I obviously was doing a lot of the Scandinavia because of the coaster crew trip. And I thought that was kind yeah. of like a convenient way to knock out all those parks. Um, I think within the next year, and people comment this all the time in my content, they're like, you missed Europa Park. You went to Germany, you missed Europa Park. You missed, I'm like, I know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'm, I'll get back. Don't worry. So yeah. I think kind of hitting those like handful of, of, you know, like Europe's like premier parks next mm-hmm. year is going to be um, very high on my, my to-do list, knocking those out. And then from there, it's just kind of, you know, wherever, you know, whatever's next basically. But I think Europe, I still got some unfinished business in Europe. I would say Clearly. that's, yeah. that's my priority yeah. for the next year or so. Yeah, there's a lot of parks there. I mean, I've been to Europe many times and, and I've been to a bunch of parks there, but I still have certain amount of parks to hit there. And um, yeah, and then for you, I mean, I've been in the Middle East, like I said, I've been to Asia uh, and I still even scratch the surface in, in in both of those regions. I mean, there's so many parks to go to. People don't realize how many parks and roller coasters are are, are out there, especially okay. the, the general public, people who comment on my posts a lot of times, like do not realize like Europe is is as big if not bigger than the united states in terms of like the sheer amount of parks and rides like yep 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 and then china is insane middle east has got quite a few now and they keep growing um yeah it's and then you know even south america and africa you know there's there's there there are pockets all over the place so and that's great for you because you know this gives you more opportunities to grow grow your content over time and then of course going back, back to the parks and and you know the parks you've already been to with new rides and changes and, and things like that so for sure for sure so kind of last few questions are kind of coming back to you personally a little bit here to wrap things up uh the this next question is kind of our most serious question that we ask if you will and it's a kind of a mortality question and really it comes down to how would you like your your friends your family your colleagues um you know, those that are in your life, how would you like them to remember you by? Wow. We're getting deep here on the, yeah. on our, it's, a, it's a deep question. Ghost deep podcast. Um, <laughs> I guess the most important thing is, is someone who lived fearlessly, pursued their passions, um, loved fully and just enjoyed life without any restriction, you know? And that's nice. what I try to that's do true. with, you know, pursuing one of my passions as a full-time job that's what i'm doing with park pros right now and uh how i try to live my life without any fear or restriction so no that's very very noble i mean if that's if that's how you're living your life and that's how people remember you by because of it then that's fantastic so great answer great answer so uh, the other uh kind of big final question here a little less serious um is you know, I know you understand now the mission of, of Coaster Challenge and the mission of, you know, about facing fear. And again, you just identified that as being a big part of how you want to be remembered by being fearless. Um, do you have any advice for those that are listening, maybe people that are struggling with facing their fears or maybe they're early on in their 
kind of their journey of of facing fear. They haven't gotten on that scariest coaster yet or whatnot. Any, any advice you think you can give? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, life is short. Like, don't take anything too seriously. Live without any regrets. Um, you know, when it comes to the moment where you're facing that moment of anxiety or questioning or anything, I would say just kind of take a step back and then push right through it. Right. Um, when it comes to riding that coaster or, you know, asking that girl out or, or whatever it comes to, you know, um, I would say, you know, it's, it's worse to, you know, live life questioning what would have been than experiencing what it is. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, just go for it. That's my biggest, my biggest piece of advice. Great. Great advice. Thank you. And I like the way you kind of, kind of justify that or kind of like going through it. It's just like pushing through it. I don't think anyone ever said anything like that, but makes sense. It's just like the idea is that, you know, don't, don't like stop and think. And because when you start thinking, then you're going to start second guessing and letting the fear come in, the anxiety come in, just push through it, just do it, just jump on the ride and get it done. And you'll be, you'll be happy. And, you know, and, and proud of yourself. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Totally. Just go for it. Yeah. Just go for it. Exactly. Thank you. All right. So the last thing uh, is, and you, you know, we've been talking about your, your brand and outlets and so forth, but if you could share, you know, all the ways, this is your self-promotion opportunity, um, all the ways that people can find you, you know, uh, your, your various channels, you know, TikTok, et cetera. If you have a website, social media, please share away. Yeah. So, uh, I'm at Park Pros on YouTube, uh, Instagram, and TikTok. Those are my three main platforms. Um, I actually, actually, a couple months ago, released a strategic theme park guide. So if you're kind of getting, if you're a mom with a kid that's interested in parks, or you know, you're kind of getting in, into it yourself, um, you can find that on linked on any of my socials. So just look up Park Pros, click the link in my description or bio, and that'll lead you right there. I think it's like 10 bucks now. It's down to it's 40 pages worth of my 15 years of experience in navigating parks and, you know, experiencing, you know, crowds and how to navigate those and lines and what's the best strategies to get on as many rides as possible. So if you're kind of a newcomer in the space, which it seems like this podcast is more catered to people kind of getting into it or conquering fears, like that's a really good strategic kind of in my style of translating things from an enthusiast mind to more of a general public mind. Um, that's something worth checking out. Um, but yeah, park pros on all social media and, uh, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, Cole, well, thank you again. I know you're getting over a cold yourself. Just me appreciate you taking the time and, and despite how you're feeling to, to chat with us and, um, yeah, it's been really, really interesting. And I, I, you have a great positive attitude. And like I said, you're, you're a young guy, you're smart, got a great voice. You've got a good head on your shoulders. So I, I think, you know, you're even before this podcast, sometimes we'll come up with friends. I'll put it this way, uh, talking about, you know, people ask me, who do you think are like the best, um, influencers slash, you know, YouTubers, you know, as the old saying was, well, you know, however you want to describe it, people that are making media content in, in the coaster enthusiast or parks world. And, uh, even though 
I didn't know you that well. I've seen some of your content, the things I know of you, I've heard of you. You're one of the people I did identify in that regard, um, along with, uh, you know, Austin Spin Insider, Deep Park Worldwide, Sean's amazing, and, and some others, Airtime Thrills. Um, but you, you know, some, there's a lot of content creators out there, as you know better than anyone, Cole. And I think you were kind of rising above a lot of them for, for good reason. You clearly know what you're doing. You've got a great strategy. Um, and I think you're just going to see a lot of success moving forward. So. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate the kind words and I uh, appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Cole. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.